Isaiah chapter 41, we're reading from verse 13 to 22. Isaiah chapter 41, we're reading from verse 13 to 22. Uh, while we're getting ready, this morning, if there's anyone that is anxious or fearful about what the year holds, you know, at times when we come into the end of the year, we are so happy that at least, thank God that this year is going. Then we look at this coming year, we're like, oh God, oh Lord, I hope it's not going to be the same way that last year was. I pray for you that it's not going to be the same way. Amen. Isaiah chapter 41, 13 to 22. It says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou warm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp, a new sharp threshing instrument with having feet. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small. I thought somebody would be saying a good amen. amen. And shall make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them and the wind shall carry them away. The whirlwind shall scatter them. And thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shall glory in the Holy One of Israel. He says, when the poor and needy seek water and there's none, and their tongue fails for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitter tree, the myrtle, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree, the pine, and the box tree together. That they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel had created it. Produce your cause, said the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, said the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things what they be, that they may consider them and know the later end of them, or the latter end of them, or declare us things to, for to come. May the Lord bless the reading of his, and the hearing of his words in Jesus' mighty name. That's a very interesting scripture. That's a very interesting scripture. For someone in this place who feels that they will need the help of God in this coming year. Someone who feels like they do not have the power to do what this year holds for them. You know, we're saying that this year is going to be beautiful. Yeah, you believe it, but there's a part of you that's also concerned that, Lord, I know it can be beautiful for this, for this, and you don't feel qualified. That scripture was written to somebody called Warm Jacob. A Jacob that is just like you and I. A Jacob that was qualified with the word warm. Warm as in W-O-R-M. Slow, devourous, consuming. Someone that is not desirable. Jacob who was a supplanter. Jacob who was seen as a thief. Jacob who had an history and a past. It was written to Jacob that this morning, 
if the way men see you is in your past, God will give you something new. Because he said he's written to warm Jacob and to Israel. Warm Jacob might be one that is rejected by man. Israel was the one that was accepted by God. Right? Warm Jacob was the one that was without promise. Israel was the one that was a covenant child. I'm praying for you this morning that this year in the name of Jesus, that God's covenant in your life will speak for you. In everywhere that you get to, the covenant of God will speak for you. God said, I will hold you. This scripture was not a prophecy to anybody. This scripture was a prayer, was a declaration of God to anyone who chooses to tap into it. And that's why we're bringing it to us this morning as a church, that this year you'll find help in God. This year you'll find help everywhere that you get to in the name of Jesus. Psalm 121 verse 1. David was right. He says, I will look unto the hills from whence my help coming from. My help comes from the Lord who makes heaven and earth. The one that is going to help is the one who makes the heavens and the earth. If he can make heaven and earth, there's nothing that you desire of him that he cannot make. And I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Everything that you require this year, God will help you. He says he will hold you by your hand. I love that bit so much. When God holds you by your hand, it's because he knows that you can mess things up. He knows that you can go the wrong direction. He knows that, hey, the recalcitrant you can show up, the Jacob side of you can show up, but he will help you. It's just like when you're holding your child to cross the road, you know that the child can become playful and run elter-skelter. The child does not have a clue of what risk is, but God himself will hold you by the hand. In the name of Jesus. I said, people might see you this morning, or they might look at you and refer you to your old. God will bring something new in your life. Amen. When you look at that scripture, there are so many promises in it. It says it will hold you. It says it will help you. It says it will make you. It, says it will make things work for you. It will hear your prayer. He said it will not forsake you. He said it will open doors of opportunities your way. He said it will meet all your needs. He said it will remove obstacles for you. What else is there this year that God cannot do? You know, I like it the way God actually writes at times. Not even at times, every time. He says, look at verse 19. He says, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitter tree, the myrtle, the oil tree. I will set them in the desert, the fir tree, the pine, and the box tree. Listen, your life must be beautiful, must be filled with beautiful varieties this year. It's not enough for God to just give you the fire tree, but He will also give you the box tree. He will also give you the cedar. Because all these things will fulfill different things in your life. I pray that everything that you need, God will do. In the name of Jesus. It says, when the mountain faces you, it will make you a sharp threshing instrument. That whatever the challenge, you yourself, you will, sharp, you will break them into pieces and you'll find them away. Whatever it is that is an obstacle to you this year, God finds them away in Jesus' mighty name. So there are beautiful promises there. However, verse 21 is also very, very special. Verse 21 now says that you should bring forth your reason. Bring forth your reason why God should bless you. Give us a reason why all this scripture that's been forced written should come to you. You know, every time we quote that scripture, 
You quote it in the place of prayer. Oh, I'm bringing my reason. So we quote scriptures back to God. But when you read in context, you realize that there was a promise and there's a requirement for that promise. So if you're looking for a topic this morning, what will the reason be? And when you look through scriptures, you realize that once in a while, God can make specific demand on people and you can't question him on that. He gave Abraham a child. And at some point, when he wanted to test Abraham's love, he went to Abraham and said, you see that child that I give to you? He qualified it, your only child, sacrificing so that you don't make a mistake. At times, God wants to see whether you are willing or whether you will obey him or whether you love him as much as you claim. And at such, at such times, he, he wants you to give a reason for you to get what you want. When it was the time of David, God demanded of David to build him a temple. But when it came to Solomon, God never asked Solomon to make him an offering. Solomon chose to, to do it. So the question for you, you and I this morning, is that what will be your reason for you to have a beautiful year? Am I saying that God is asking you Maybe God is speaking to one person in this place that, come on, give me a reason why I should bless you this year. That prayer point, God might be asking somebody and say, okay, tell me why I should do this for you. Give me one reason why I should do it. All right? To some of us, God might not even be telling us anything. And we might be like Solomon this morning, who will have to make up our mind that, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to do this for you this coming, this year, 2020. So much so that when God sees it, the way he saw Solomon, it will do much more than you think or imagine. Are you with me, church? So that scripture says we should have reasons. Never forget that. At times when you come to the place of prayer, when you come to the place of request, you should have reasons. Listen, am I knocking away grace? No. Because Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says we have a common grace. There's a grace that's common to every man. Right? But at times that grace may abound to us, we might need to go above and beyond. Are you with me, church? What am I saying this morning? 2020, church, can we decide to be a bit more sacrificial? When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to how God expects of us, can we be a bit more sacrificial? This morning in the workers' meeting, we're talking about loving God. Love is measured in sacrifice. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God loved the world and he made a sacrifice to us. Can we also do God this year from a position of sacrifice? Now, let me put a caveat to it. This sacrifice that we are talking about must never be out of fear. It has to be out of love. Jacob exhibited his own sacrifice from vision. Not Jacob, Job exhibited his own sacrifice out of fear that, oh, if my children, just paraventure my children are sinned, let me make this offering so that, oh, God can forgive them. He was afraid of what God will do to them. But ours, our sacrifice this morning, the kind of sacrificial living, I didn't say giving, the kind of sacrificial living that we must do this year must be from the place that, oh, my God, I love God and I'm going to show it unto God. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. It says, let all that you do be done in love. Do 
everything in love. Everything that you do with God this year must be done from the of love. The reason why you're in church must be because you love God. The reason why you wake up in the morning to praise God was because you love him. The reason why you do everything that you do must be out of love. And if you love God, you must be willing to do it sacrificially. It must not be out of convenience. We've done God in time past out of convenience. It's about time for us to push a bit further. Tell your neighbor, push a bit further. What this year requires needs a bit further. It requires a bit further, much more than you did before. Not out of convenience. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. God told Abraham that he should sacrifice his only son. But look at what happened in, 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 in verse 15. Verse 15 to 18, for example, you now see the result. God now boasted in himself that because you have not withheld your son from me, I will do A, B, C, D. Let us love God sacrificially. Let us live with God sacrificially. Our sacrifice must be reflected in so many ways. In the way we worship God. In the way we serve God. Our sacrifice must be reflected in the way we worship and the way we serve God. It should not be because the music is nice that we worship God. It should not be because people are around that we worship God. Even if it's only one. I was talking to my friend. I said, listen. The person that God called to start a church is you. So if you are there and you are the only one, worship God as if a million is there. Enough of looking around. Worship God. Serve God with the whole of you this year. Serve God such that if God needs somebody to serve him, you know that it is you that he will look to. You're serving God, your coming to church, your evangelism, your bringing people to church must be done sacrificially, not out of convenience. When we call evangelism, you should not just be like, oh, today, ah, is it, let us do this. It's not ever going to be convenient. Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, preach the word, both in instant and season and out of season, whether it's convenient or it's not convenient. Do I get an amen this morning? Your sacrificial living for God, your love for God must be expressed in your obedience and your humility to God. Your unyielding and unwavering obedience to God. I said that's the highest form of sacrifice that you can give. You know, often when we talk about sacrifice, people think that we're talking about your offering. God does not need your offering. Let us be realistic. The only person, God causes grace to come to you when you give your offering, right? The offering is there by the church, by people, you and I. <laughs> or if you don't know that. Your offering does not make God rich or richer. He owns the thousand cattle upon the thousand. He holds everything belongs to him anyway. Look at what the Bible says. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel was talking to Saul. He said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. It is the highest form of sacrifice. Anybody can, you know why? Because every time you obey the voice of God, guess what you have done? 
you are saying to God that, hey, God, I trust you. That was why Abraham was blessed. That God, even though I only one child, all right, I trust you. If you take me to, you must have something in the pipeline. It is an indication of how much you esteem God's sovereignty. How much is God sovereign in your life? Because every time we're disobeying God, we're questioning him, we're challenging him. That's what it means. We say that, God, what can you do? I pray for you this morning that grace to obey God. You know, to obey God without any, may God release upon us. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You know, there are so many instructions that God gives to us. Bible says that the, the commandments of God are not grievous. Whether you obey or you don't obey, it doesn't change who God is. It's always for our own benefit. I was privileged to be on a panel some time back, and somebody asked the question that, oh, what really is sin? And I said, it's the cumulative effects of disobediences. Because at times, that disobedience might just be an honest disobedience. They said, it was a singles meeting, so I'll put it in context. They said, oh, when you're in a relationship, don't be in the same room with the person alone. You disobey that. Have you sinned? No. But you know that gradually it can lead to sin. Sin does not happen in one day. It builds up. Every of God's command, every of God's instruction on its own might look like child's play, but it's for our own benefit. It does not change who God is. Are we listening this morning? Let us sacrifice that. That's the kind of sacrifice that God is looking for. Also, our sacrificial living this year must be expressed in our faithfulness to God. I was speaking to one of my daughters and I was questioning on what loyalty is. And, you know, we're talking about loyalty. And it ensued that I asked the question, tell me, if somebody is loyal to you, how will you feel? You ask yourself that question. If somebody shows loyalty to you, how will you feel? Oh, my God, I would love that person. And I looked through the Bible and there was one word called loyalty in the Bible. So initially I thought, oh, my God, maybe I was manipulating this person. But I realized that the biblical term for loyalty is actually faithfulness. And in this day and age, we have Christians who are not faithful to the cause of God. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is not that you are full of faith. It's the fact that you will die at it. Regardless. Faithfulness is the same thing that a soldier will do at war and not look back, even though their life is at risk. That's what faithfulness is. And that's we must sacrifice unto God this year. We must be faithful unyieldingly. I said in my notes, will you be thorough in your performance of duty? Will you offer God a substandard duty? They said we should come to church, so let me just do that. They said we should play piano, let me just play piano. Or will you be thorough at it? That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is the question, begets the question, will you be true to your word and your promises and your vows? That's what faithfulness is. God, I love you. Let your action show it. 
your vows, your promises. Lord, I'm going to be a worker. Praise God, you fill the form before the beginning of the year. And after the first quarter, we don't see you again working. Faithfulness. I said, will you be steady in your allegiances or affection? Will you be loyal or constant? Will you be reliable, trusted, or believed? Come on. If, if I wrote those things, that means I'm, I should get a PhD in English. No, I copied it from a dictionary. So I didn't form those words. They were words that the Englishman recognizes as the meaning of the word faithfulness. Church, these is, are the things that we need to do this year. That God will be able to help us. We need to sacrifice, we need to be faithful. No. Anyway, being faithful is one of the sacrifices that we must offer. <laughs> After I've just boasted about my PhD in English. <laughs> English will not fail me. <laughs> I don't think, and I will stop with this, that we must do sacrificially is gratitude and thanksgiving. How many grateful souls are here? You are grateful to the things that God has done. Listen, gratefulness or gratitude is only a feeling. is your heart. Thanksgiving must be outwardly expressed. 